He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Obviously, Colby Powell is out today. I think he had his voice gone, right, T-Dub? But, you know, we are really, really excited to be here today. We had some great golf uh, in on the PGA Tour from guys from the state of Oklahoma. Plus, we had uh, the youngsters sign their national letters of intent, so we'll talk about that. Phil Mickelson wins on the Champions Tour, and Nelly Corda wins on the LPGA. So we got a lot to talk about, right, T-Dub? Oh, man, it, it's a busy week. I, I'm watching the Houston Open a little bit this weekend, and for a second I thought it was the Oklahoma Open with all the <laughs> Oklahoma guys that were out there playing so good. And like you mentioned, big week in, in for the junior uh, game of golf. I know that... Not just for whenever I was getting recruited, but even here now, signing day in golf is one of the biggest days that I think of when it comes to college golf. I mean, it's right up there with, obviously it's not as important as the national championship, but it's really crucial because you need to know who your next players are going to be so we know who's going to be there for OU and OSU come forward. But let's go ahead and start down in Houston, Sam. I mean, Jason Kokrak going 10 under for the tournament, 5 under on the last day. I believe he was, what, 5 under on his last seven holes, something along those lines, mm-hmm. maybe a little off on that. But nevertheless, I mean, talk about the stones and minerals to be able to play that good coming down the stretch on the Sunday afternoon, Sam. Yeah, I mean, Jason Kokrak gaining 2.17 shots on the greens this week, second only to Edmund Norse, Kevin Tway, who gained 2.19 on the greens this week. Uh, so great play by Kevin Tway, by the way. My pick for the week, Scotty Sheffield. They're tied for second, so still on the heater, T-Dub. If, you, if you've listened to this show and you've been keeping up with my heater uh, of my winner picks, <laughs> if you've been putting the top 20, top 10, and even top 5 bets, you have been winning some cheese on my pick bets. Man, I tell you what, Sam, like I was telling you before the show, you were so bad for a stretch <laughs> that it had to come around. It and- did. The Ryder Cup was the... The, co- the nail in the coffin, those are the, the bad times are gone. Those are buried six feet under. Now we have a new year. 2022 is the year. Well, the season of 2022 is, it seems like the year to make some money. You know what I think happened, Sam? You remember that island you were on when you picked the Europeans? <laughs> yes. I think it was secretly a volcano island, like Pompeii, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it just it finally erupted into all oblivion. So now you're able to rebuild and build a new society. So I think it's great. One thing I want to mention about both your picks, Sam, Kevin Toy and Scotty Scheffler. Both clutch birdies on 18 to finish second. Obviously, Tway yes. was the first one in. So, at the time, it looked like he may have been able to do that to get solo second, which is a huge difference. But nevertheless, and then Scotty came and did it right behind him. And so. I, I'll tell you what about Scheffler, too. You know, he birdied 16. He made a two-putt really good birdie there. But on 17, this is where it really showed me something. So, it's like a 330-yard par four, Sam. And mm-hmm. a lot of water in front of the green. It's kind of like – I'm trying to think of a hole around here that it's like – like, you know uh, Hefner, number 13 – Yes. Very similar yep. to that, just a little longer, mm-hmm. I would say. And uh, so a lot of people, even Kevin Toy stepped up and hit an iron out there and was like, he just he hit it out to 130. And then, like, Kokrak was 150 in and hit a pretty good shot. But Sheffler goes up there and bombs driver. And he hits it like 30 yards short of the green. And he doesn't get up and down. But yet that showed me something. That showed me mm-hmm. that 
this kid is ready to win, and he wants to win. He wasn't thinking about, oh, let me just put it out here in the fairway, be all pretty. Because at the point, he was three shots back. He wouldn't have had a chance to win. He would have had to eagle and then birdie the last hole to, to get into a playoff. And he said, I want to do that. I don't want to play for second, even though he did end up finishing second. That just showed me that this is a kid who wants to win, and I know that he's going to win. I, I wouldn't say before 2022 starts just because there's not that many events left, but he's going to win before the Masters, I would say. Uh, I – can't disagree with you on that one. And if you look at this tournament, especially strokes gained, there were two guys that really stuck out to me. One of those was Scotty Scheffler gaining 2.84 shots tee to green, but only gaining one-tenth, that's one-tenth of a of a stroke on the greens. I mean, he that's where he lost it this week was on those uh, fast Bermuda greens. And there's one other guy uh, that really blew away the field, tee to green, gained 3.3 shots, strokes gained tee to green, and lost 1.45 on the greens this week. That's Luke List, who finished 11th. If those two guys could have rolled their rock, they might have been battling it out at 15 or 16 under. And it's really interesting here to look at it because – on the week, Luke List gained 1.44 around the greens, which is like almost unheard of. You have to be like holding out like every third chip that you have. But, but clearly he wasn't missing many greens because of his strokes gained approach. No, absolutely not. And, you know, I look at it and it was interesting because he gained that because anyone watching, he flubbed his last shot on 18 and made double. I mean, a very mm-hmm. costly double. Finished, it would have been a T, uh, if he finished minus six, he would have finished T5. And instead, he double bogeyed, finished minus four, which got him T11. You talk about some FedEx points, especially money. I know Luke List is definitely a, a veteran out there, but he's the type of guy who doesn't have status secured by any stretch. So, I mean, I think that was really big for him. And, you know, I think we saw it on that chip, Sam. We talk about it all the time. When that, when you got a little into the grain Bermuda shot around the greens, it's it's so hard. It doesn't matter if you're the best player in the world. It's the hardest surface to chip off of by far. Like, it's, not even close, especially when it's growing into you. It's almost like you, not only do you have to hit it so precise, but even if you try to hit any type of shot, like, if you try to use the bounce at all, you're, you're going to flub. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. where you hit the ball. Or you're going to bounce the ball, uh, club into it and it's going to go 30 yards over the green. When we had Gellerman on, he was talking about how Abe is one of the only guys that doesn't use much bounce at all. I mean, even pros need that bounce. But the problem is when you get into the green on that Bermuda, it kind of just kind of bounces off the turf. Literally why it's called bounce. And the club kind of, you know, it it just makes everything a little tougher. Oh, absolutely. And I think that shot even makes it harder where he's almost off of a little bit of a down slope. Mm -hmm. And... It's, he's slightly short-sighted, and there's like a false front in front of the green. So he's hitting off of a down slope, has to go over the slope to a short-sighted pin. I mean, I, I mean that's almost like fate worse than death there, Sam. I mean, that's to make bogeys good. Right, yeah. And we mentioned Kevin Tway. We also got to give credit where credit is due to Robert Streb. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Robert Streb sitting there tied for seventh at five under par. The scores were low this week, T-Dub, so there were a lot of guys that had a chance uh, on Sunday, obviously, I mean, Kokrak coming back from five under, getting all the way to 10 under on Sunday with a final round five under. And so, you know, Jason Kokrak, are we, is he a little underrated to UT Dub? I think so, absolutely. I mean, they, they said it yesterday on the telecast, and I had forgot that it's been three times. I thought it was only twice, but he's won. He won at uh, Shadow Creek when they had, I think they had the Zozo there. It may have been the CJ Cup. It's one of the other back. Yeah, one of the in Vegas. In Vegas yeah. during COVID year. So that was uh, basically a year ago. Then he won He won at Colonial when we were up at Southern Hills for the senior PGA. Yep, that's that was right. A, he beat Spieth. When he beat Spieth, yep. Mm-hmm. And then he's won this week. I mean, we look at it. He's moved up to 22 in the world, Sam. I mean, if you would say, hey, who's a top 25 player in the world? 
we'd probably list off 30 guys before we got to Kokrak, mm-hmm. just off of name alone. But yep. talk about some stellar play. And, I mean, it's it's not like he's just playing good when he wins. I mean, I'm scrolling through here no, looking I mean, at He's got a lot of top 10s, top 15s, top 20s in big would, events. The only, pro, the only reason why he wasn't on the Ryder Cup instead – uh, of some guys that were being named, like a Kevin Na that could, probably was first out, or some of those guys like a Sam Burns maybe. Kokrak was on that short list of guys for the Ryder Cup. The problem is he hasn't really won enough, in my opinion. Well, and this also is another point to, like we talked about with a lot of people after the Ryder Cup, the U.S. is deep. I mean, mm-hmm. Coke, the fact that Kokrak was not on the U.S. team, what would he have been, Sam? seventh or eighth on the European team probably. Yeah, he would have been on the squad for sure. You know, so, I mean, that's that's just another telltale sign. But one thing you look at Kokrak, and he's known for being a bomber, and that's really where he makes most of the advantage, but he's gotten so much better everywhere else in his game. I mean, he's a, obviously we saw this week, he's a lot better putter now than he used to be. He's uh, He didn't chip very good this week, but his chipping has been overall better, and obviously his ball striking was superb. And so I, he's not getting the credit that he's due, Sam, to answer your question. I think that he's going to be a name that – I don't think he's the type of guy to just have like a good year stretch and then fall off. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be out here making a scene for probably the next five years minimum. And I think part of it might be he doesn't get as much notoriety because he's not young, you know, but right. he's more kind of having his breakout at an older age. Uh, and I think that when you talk about the guys, the new kind of Americans like you were talking about, his name kind of gets left behind because you think of the younger guys where Kokrak, I mean, he's breaking out. He's just at an older age than those young guys. I mean, you look at it, I didn't realize this. I thought he was closer to 33. He's 36. Yeah. And he's from Can- – and it says he's born in Canada, but he has nationality in the U.S., so that's good for us. Here's a trivia question, Sam. I would have never guessed this in a million years. Where did he play college golf? Was it – it wasn't Cincinnati, was it? Close, close area, I think. Kentucky? Xavier. Xavier. Okay. Is that around that area? I thought it was because it's in the Atlantic 10. The only reason why I even knew, like, Xavier? I think he might be from Kentucky, right? It says he was, uh, let's see, he was born North Bay, Ontario. He resides in Hudson, Ohio. So, yeah, very close. Okay. Kentucky, Ohio, that I'm, area. I'm impressed that you were even relative on the area, Sam. Well, I, I remember, mean, that's really good. I remembered Vic being ah, in yes. here when we had Gooch on, uh, Vic Ramsey, and he was saying that, you know, Kokrak was the best in high school golf, and I knew that Vic was from around that area. Xavier is in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, I mean, you were spot on because you yeah. had the city right and everything, just wrong <laughs> school. You had to go a few miles down the road. Exactly. And we talked about uh, Ty for seventh, and I also mentioned his name. I mean, Sam Burns, a sneaky top seven this week, ended up at five under, three under on Sunday. Pretty solid week all around, and Sam Burns continues to, you know, play some really good golf. I mean, because he, he's like the opposite of Kokrak, right? I mean, how old is Sam Burns? What is he, 25? No, yeah, he's got to be 24 probably, right? Let's see, 20, uh, turned 25 July 23rd, so not not okay. that much older than 25. Yep. And, yes. then, and then you go down one shot uh, to tied for 11th at four under. You have Matt Wolf continuing to play good golf. Oh, what did you think of that? I know he shot plus two on, on on Sunday, so not his best golf, but another top ten, top 15 finish. I mean, that's, I mean, he for as young as he is, even though he's won, I mean, that's great playing over the last few weeks. Yeah, and a heck of an ace, by the way. We're, oh, we're, we got beautiful? to see him give the high five to, uh, to Nick Heinen, and he said, about effing time. <laughs> you know, my, uh, my, uh, my dad, Randy, made a really good point, and I thought about this afterwards. Nick should have been in our beard draft. He's got a good beard. Nick does have a great beard. It's a good beard, Nick. Keep Nick's, it going. Nick's going to be famous. I mean, we did it because of a caddy beard. Yeah. We definitely should have n- mentioned Nick's name. So what I think what I think needs to happen is when Wolf has his next stellar moment, you know, where he wins, makes a long putt like he did in, where was it Detroit that he won? It was a 3M. 3M. 3M, Detro- yeah. Or, 
Is that? Where think, is no, that? that's that's Minneapolis. 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 Yeah, he won, yep. where he won in Minneapolis, he made the long eagle putt, right? Yep. Nick needs to do something like bizarre, crazy, just to make a scene to become virally famous. You like, know that Nick's not going to do that. Yeah, though. he's de- not the type of guy to do that. But it, that's what would make it so much funnier, though. Yeah, it like, would. you remember uh, Zach Johnson's caddy when he made that birdie at the U.S. Open? He did the, oh. the birdie dance. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Nick, Nick, you got to do something like that, man. I'm not saying go jump in the pond and make a scene, <laughs> but you know, you got to do some funny dance. You know, break it down for us like a TikTok video. <laughs> I think the odds of that are. So Slim and none, and Slim just left town. But, <laughs> you know, looking at this tournament, I mean, your guy Aaron Wise, one under, uh, Johnny Vegas down there, one under. There were there was a lot of solid, solid players in there, and Kevin Tway, I want to talk more about that. I mean, coming, he, I think he's on his major medical exemption, you know, coming off not playing much last year, and to shoot eight under and finish tied for second, just skyrocketing up the world rankings. Do you have those pulled up? Yeah, let me pull up exactly where he was. I was going to his uh, Wikipedia. So he's, I mean, who would have thought Kevin Tway would be 33 years old? Doesn't that seem weird to say? I mean. It does, but it seems weird to say that I'm 26. (laughs) That's a really good point. I mean, I'm almost 29. It's unbelievable to think of. But, you know, I'm looking at, at Kevin Tway. And so we talked about this before. Even, I think Colby mentioned this a few weeks ago. When you win in the fall now, it's so much more beneficial because of the, the two-plus-year exemption. So mm-hmm. you can play – so like Kevin Toy, he won in October of 2018. Right. So he gets to go all the way through the 2019 season plus yep. two more years of full exempt status. Right. And now, like you said, he's on essentially his last year of that. And right. he has to play good. Well, and I think he might have, for part of that, gotten a medical exemption well, he because had the, he had the stomach issue. I don't know if – like, do you see what I'm saying? He yeah. might still be on that first year of – that that fully exempt status to where he maybe could have there was something weird in there with it because he I, he definitely got hurt and he definitely had a medical exemption of some sort. Well, like we learned with the Bermuda Championship when we couldn't get a full field to to get criteria for PJ Tours like going taking a calculus final. So I mean it's just so hard to figure out who has that. But you know going back, to, I mean finishing solo second or I'm sorry tied for second. Sound like Kevin Tway. It means a lot more to someone Kevin Tway than it does Scheffler, right? Mm-hmm. Even though Scheffler hasn't won, he's got the pedigree, obviously, on the Ryder Cup right. and all that stuff. But also, too, you know, to go along with Kevin Tway, just talking about the local guys, we mentioned Matt Wolf, but even scrolling down, T19, Max McGreevy. Top yes, 20. absolutely. I mean, top that, 20. That is awesome. I mean, yep. it's obviously, like we've seen it, just the, the state guys just keep prevailing and lighting it up. And I'm looking at uh, Max's stats here. He gained uh, almost 0.8 strokes approach and gained almost 0.9 around the green. So he had a, a really good week there. It was Fairly average putting and lost a little bit of strokes off the tee, but being a rookie on tour, being able to get top 20s anytime is really impressive. No doubt. I mean, it's huge for a guy like that to prove to yourself that you can compete with those guys. They already know they can, but to actually see yourself do it and then do it again and then do it again, and that's where you see guys like a a Sam Burns or a Scotty Scheffler have their success is they do it once and they're like, that wasn't that hard. And yeah. so we just need a few weeks from, you know, Taylor Moore and Max McGreevy and Josh Creel just have some good weeks and then build on that and build on that. And eventually, you know, we'll see their name every week. And Same with Kevin Toy. This is a perfect example. I think that he'll continue to play great golf after this. And, and you know this as well as I do, Sam. There's a huge difference between knowing you can do something and believing you can do something. Absolutely. Because if you you can sit there and say, oh, yeah, well, I know I'm as good as Coke Rack Scheffler. I know I'm as good as these guys. Mm-hmm. But if you don't fully believe it, 
you're not going to, it doesn't matter because that's what really at the end of the day is going to decide if you beat them or not. Yep. And being able to, sometimes a lot of people need to yep. be able to see that. And being, Seeing is believing yeah, sometimes. I mean, to be able to get on the website or just look up the leaderboard and see yourself in the top 10, top 20, whatever it is. It's a lot different than if you finish T50th and then you go home at, at noon on Sunday. I mean, it's just really different. It truly is. Especially just playing in the afternoon versus the morning on a Sunday is a lot different. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, T-Dub. We're going to head to break, but after the break, we're going to have a Jason draft just between you and me, okay, for Jason Kokrak, obviously. We're going to read off the uh, National uh, Letter of Intent signees from Oklahoma and also give you an update on who OU and OSU Golf uh, recruited this this uh, signing period. And so uh, we will have all that after the break, as well as the Phil Mickelson and Nelly Corda stuff here right after the break. And uh, if you haven't already, go visit us at the 73rd Hole on Twitter and at 73rd Hole on Instagram. And always visit GolfOklahoma.org, GolfOklahoma.org. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. And here we are on the other side of the break here with Taylor Williams. This is Sam Humphreys, Colby Powell out today. Uh, you're listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Go visit golfoklahoma.org and get all of the information that we are about to give to you about the National Letter of Intent signees from Oklahoma and also who OU and OSU signed as well. Uh, Kim McLeod, our partners over there, doing an awesome job of covering all golf in the state of Oklahoma. And our other awesome partners uh, are Ring Family Dentistry. Go visit Ring Family Dentistry in OKC. They've been doing it for over 20 years. I've known the family, Dr. Phil and Dr. Brennan Ring, for many, many years. Uh, they're a sports family, baseball family. Uh, they will get you taken care of and they have a simple philosophy work with what you have save what we can and replace what we can't Uh, and they are determined to make everything as comfortable as possible okay t-dub so we had phil mickelson go out and win for the fourth time in his six starts on the champions tour this week and i mean an absolute show from phil mickelson and I wanted to play a little clip of Phil and his caddy, Tim Mickelson, uh, on the course this week. All right, Tim. Over my shoulder, off the rocks, off the pin, 
nothing but cup. And that is how Phil Mickelson won the Charles Schwab Cup. <laughs> for anyone to see the video, I mean, he's he's anyone knows the Phil Mickelson where he hits it over his head shot, and it just totally pans out to where the ball's just like close up bouncing off of a rock, and then like close up of hitting it's the, the pin. typical nineteen nineties uh, special effects. And you could tell by the voice, this is a young Phil. This is like Arizona State Phil. <laughs> Did Phil create Vine before Vine? I think, I think he's ahead of TikToks his time. now, I guess. I think so. I mean, that looked like an old Vine, you know, where you sl- uh, split it up to another camera angle. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> I mean, I think Phil earned What some... was he in that video? 17, 18 years old? If that. Phil I mean, looked he... like, I mean, Tim looked like he was like 16. He probably was. I mean, that is, that's some good stuff there. I mean, it's, is, who besides Tiger's better than Phil in our generation? Anywhere, anyone close? Is VJ up there? Uh, game-wise, I mean, he did have one of the best year. Probably had the best year besides Tiger in since nineteen eighty five or something. I I don't think VJ uh, is above Phil on my list, but he would have to be in the discussion. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it either. But at, at the same time, I mean, and also too, when you talk about likability, people there may there might be more people that like Phil than they do Tiger. In all honesty, I wouldn't think so, but they might be close. And especially as he gets older, because. You know, I remember I used to not like Phil just because I was such a big Tiger fan. It's not that I didn't like Phil, you know, and, and I and I think that it's one of those deals that as they both get older and we see Tiger and Phil kind of mingle together, I think Phil has won over a lot of those former Tiger fans. Do you agree? Oh, I think so, yeah, and I think that because I think you made a good point there because it seemed like just like all other sports, you got to have a rival, right? Like, you can't root for everyone. Because if you like Tiger and you like someone else, it's hard when they go head-to-head. So, like, naturally, you want to find someone to root against. And Phil, because he was the best besides Tiger, is an, is an easy target. And also, too, Phil got a lot of rap because he didn't win a major for the first 13 years he was on tour or whatever. Or after, what did he win, 91 at, at Scottsdale, then won the Masters 2004. So he went forever and got some slack for that. But I completely agree that he's winning over the Tiger fans who didn't like him because of that reason. And also, too, the fact he won the PGA at 50 years old doesn't mm-hmm. get much better than that. Well, you know what might be comparable to Phil winning the PGA at 50 years old? What's that? Bernard Longer winning the season-long Charles Schwab Cup at age 64. T-Dub, age 64, and he's winning a season-long deal against guys that are 14 years younger than him. I mean, Sam, we we saw him up at Southern at the Senior PGA. I mean, Bernhard is just the definition of solid golf. I and mean, he's the, the all-time professional. Oh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, just walking off just every single yardage, making sure that you get to the nth degree and just handling your business. And whenever I watched him play, it seemed like the only time that he played bad was if the hole was too long. And he could, like, for example, number 12 at Southern was mm-hmm. a little too long because he had to hit it short of the bunker because he wasn't long enough. Right. And then that you have to carry the creek there, and that's a really hard shot. So I think besides that, he's just going to light any course up. He doesn't miss fairways. The ball does not curve. It just dead straight every time. And obviously, even with the long putter, we know how good of a putter in short game he has. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He just continues to be the robot. I mean, I, I think the guy's going to play until he's 90. He's the Tom Brady of the professional golf. I mean, that's a good question. When do 
I wouldn't say necessarily when does he retire, but <laughs> is it going to be next year that he starts to fall off a little bit? Is it going to be in two years? When do we start to see a I think we've said sharp... that for about seven years now. I, that's what I'm thinking. But I mean, is he going about... to make the cut at the Masters again? Probably. Probably. At I mean, age 65 or it, whatever? You know, it's like we, it's kind of like you mentioned with Tom Brady. We talk about with Tom Brady. We talk about with LeBron. We're like, when are these guys going to stop playing good? And they don't. They just keep on going. Like you said, they're robots. They just go into the tuning shop, get a little oil on the gears, and back out again for another trophy. Do you think modern, you know, not only modern medicine, but, you know, modern fitness and everything will, will continue to – well, I know that it, it definitely factors in, obviously, but do you think we'll continue to see – Guys such as a Longer or a Mickelson, um, you know, guys continue to have their careers into longer stages than they did uh, maybe 10 years ago. 100%. But I also think you're going to see this side of it too. And I think it's going to create a really, I wouldn't say big debate, but it's going to create some ruckus within about 20 or 30 years because you're going to have your people like Longer and Phil who are able to extend their careers and make them longer. Right. But I think you're going to have players who – Obviously, Tiger's kind of the big example of that, but they get hurt working out and make their careers shorter because they're trying too hard. I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to be doing Navy SEAL training. That's a good point. But, I mean, for example, everyone's trying to to do the Bryson workouts. I mean, you can't tell me that there's not one or two players out there who have torn a bicep or messed up a muscle because they've been working out too hard, you know? Right. You might see some guys out for, you know, some minor things such as, you know, a strained muscle more than you might have in the past, but I also think their careers will be longer. Yeah, and I, I say that in the sense of if you add up, sort of like what you're talking about with the long putter thing, Sam. When you, yeah. If you add up every player, the the expectancy will be like 10 years longer when it comes to playing good golf. I mean, yeah. we see 45-year-old, like we just saw Phil out there winning, but I do think that we will see just – it's. I mean, it's just the same in all athletics. You know, you'll have like a player who has a – season-ending injury or a career-ending injury. Like, even as crazy as it was, Woody's example, when he's hitting out of in Houston, of all places, he slipped in the pond and tore mm-hmm. his uh, whatever Andre Robertson tore. is the right. same thing. And, I mean, I mean, obviously, that's a freak thing, but I think you'll see more examples of that happen in the gym than necessarily on the course. And, right. I, I th- like I said, I agree overall that it's going to help with the careers, but I think you'll, you'll see a handful of players who have really good stretches and they fall. And we might not even know that's the reason they fall off. Yeah, do they have a player of the year on the Champions Tour? I think they should. Okay, I don't know well we- then who who would it be? Would it be Bernard or would it be Phil? I mean, Phil won four out of six. I mean, that's a pretty. That's a I pretty, would vote Phil. I, I mean, if they all te- if they teed it up, I think we know who would win. I totally agree. I and mean, it, definitely, it doesn't matter how good as as Bon. All right, here we go. Ch- PJ Tour champion. Winners. Okay, so they haven't given out the award. Okay, what is this? Oh, that's statistical. I mean, award. it just happened yesterday, so I would assume that the player of the year comes, you know, here within the next week. Yeah, but it seems like it's probably just going to be whoever. Either won way, it. but our player of the year on the Champions Tour is Phil Mickelson. Well, I, even I, though Bernard at sixty four is just as impressive. I mean, my goodness. I tell you what's going to happen. I think Bernard will win Player of the Year, but Phil will win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's obvious. What about Comeback Player of the Year? I didn't even know they gave that. First oh, ever guy probably to win a major. And, well, definitely. First uh, ever guy to win a major and be rookie of the year in the same year. Yeah, do you <laughs> – for, for for the Champions Tour rookie of the year, do you, does your PJ Tour resume have anything to do with that? I mean, if you win a major, I mean, doesn't that They're affiliated. You? I would think so. <laughs> I wonder if they – like, if you send in a resume for your Champions Tour accomplishments, I wonder if Phil puts that on there. I would. Yeah. I mean, I would too. Uh yeah, I, I wanted to talk about one more thing, too. I wanted to talk about uh, 
the age on the Champions Tour. Now, I've talked to Willie Wood about this. I've talked to, you know, numerous guys about this. I think Verplank might have said the same thing, but I distinctly remember when I was interviewing Willie Wood one time before the senior PGA, he said that the main drop-off on the Champions Tour for guys normally comes at around the age of 55, not 50. Now, now that we saw Phil win a major on the PGA Tour at age 50, do you think that they ever move the age up on the Champions Tour to maybe 55? It's a good question. I, I think you would run into a little bit of logistical issue because, like, for example, if you, if you change it tomorrow to age 55, right. what, what do all the people who were 50? They're to, grandfathered. Yeah, so then they're so put, then they're yeah. I, I think the only way that you would do it would be like if they did it tomorrow, they would say in five years where this is the official dead off, and anyone who is above fifty when the time they cut it off is still allowed to play, and right. it had to be implemented. Later. And that's know, the only way you look, could. Do I know, it. I know, Phil's an outlier too on this. I mean, to win the PGA at age fifty, that's not going to happen, maybe ever again. Yeah, right. But what I'm saying is, do you would you rather? I guess they would rather see good golf, you know, then then move it up and have worse golf and well, just make it more competitive. But one thing it would do it it would dilute the product. And so right. that's another reason I wouldn't think they'd do it. Because I mean obviously if Phil's fifty five, he's still gonna get a crowd, but a fifty year old Phil is gonna get more people than a fit than most fifty five year old And to play de- devil's advocate against myself, I mean the guy that won the season long race is sixty four. <laughs> he busted all those fifty year olds' ass like yeah. it's nothing. <laughs> I know, right? And, uh, but I, I do think because that, that goes in tandem with what you're talking about earlier with the health thing. And right. so I mean, you would think at the end of the day, if life expectancy, not even just tour expectancy, is growing, why shouldn't the the cutoff for the champions tour get older? But I I, I, just, I just think it's too hard to do to to implement any type of change. Those guys are definitely living a little better now than they were on tour 25 years ago. Ain't that, 30 cra- years ain't ago. that crazy how they were? They would have solid PGA Tour careers, and now they're probably doing a lot better. When, <laughs> ain't that weird? Thank you, Tiger. <laughs> yes, the, every PGA <laughs> Tour player thanks Tiger every night. I think they probably say a prayer to him. So, T-Dub, we had all of uh, the signees this, uh, this week, this past week. Uh, in the state of Oklahoma, and I'm about to read uh, some of these off. I'll start with the girls. Uh, Brooklyn Ben from Edmond, Oklahoma, from Oak Tree National, signs at Wichita State. Uh, congrats to Brooklyn. Uh, you had Katie Bowers uh, from Mustang, Oklahoma, sign, uh, signed at Oklahoma City University, OCU. Uh, Aiden Coffelt, excuse me, from Edmond, Oklahoma, signed at Newman University. Uh, you had Olivia Coit from Edmond, Oklahoma, signed at Arkansas State University. You had Ramsey Gunner, my cousin, Ramsey Gunner. I'm not biased at all. Uh, from Edmond, Oklahoma, Ramsey signed at OBU to go play with their sister, Riley. Uh, that'll be awesome. Congrats to Ramsey. I love you. Uh, Aubrey House uh, from McAllister, Oklahoma, signed at o- uh, Oklahoma City University, OCU. So OCU getting some really good players to their already stacked lineup. They've been dominating so far this year. You had Grace Gilcrease from Springdale, Arkansas, who played on the OJGT. She signed at the University of Tulsa to go play with Jenny Roller. Uh, And I'm going to get to Jenny Roller right now. Jenny Roller from Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, signing at TU as well. And then uh, Brianna Maddox from Claremore, Oklahoma, signs at Rogers State University. 
Rachel Nelke um, from Pecola, Oklahoma, signs at the University of Oklahoma. So OU getting a really good player in Rachel Nelke right there. I saw her play up in Guthrie against Jimmy uh, Jenny Roller in that uh, 2A state girls championship. And uh, the last girl from the OJGT that signed to go play college golf was uh, Kate Tilma uh, from Wichita, Kansas. She is going to K-State University. So uh, thoughts on that, T-Dub, from the girls' side? I mean, I... I'm like, is it ever going to end? There's, there are more girls from the OJGT going to play college golf than there are guys this year. There's 11 girls going to play college golf, essentially, from the OJGT. Mm-hmm. And my main thought when I'm reading that off is I go back to our interview we have with Maury Rose, and I think about would, would these girls be going to play college golf if not for him? And Because they, they all play on the OJGT. I mean, some of them probably would, but would all of them? I would – I don't want to run hypotheticals, but I would assume not because of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, I, as great as much work as these ladies put in, I, I think that Maury deserves a lot of credit too. And obviously for the boys and how I, we we've heard a lot from the boys talk about how much they love Maury, and I guarantee you all the girls say the same thing. I totally could not agree more. Plus, I think that. Uh, the LPGA is a little more popular than it might have been in the past. And you see these, these young women that we'll get to as a crazy tournament this week, by the way, that oh, we'll my. get to right after this. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, young women like a, uh, a Nellie Corda and her sister and, uh, um, you know, Lydia Coes and the Lexi Thompsons of the world and even Michelle Wee, uh, Michelle Wee's of the world, I think that they have made golf cool for young women. Yeah, and and I mean, just we talk about forever. Golf is one of those sports that can be behind the times a lot, and so right. uh, getting women into golf was kind of a hard thing to do for a while. But right. it's been a lot more available in the twenty first century, and I think we're starting to see the growth from that. Right, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see because when we were coming up, it was like if you ever have a daughter, get your daughter into golf. They have six scholarships as opposed to the four and a half, right? That the men have. That's each what it year. was. That's what it was when I was coming I, out. I don't know if it's still the same, but I would assume it is. I haven't heard any changes on that, but women, you know, they have six scholarships at these universities to give out each year for women's golf. And now it's got to be a lot more competitive to get one of those six on a, on a certain team than it used to be. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, I mean, it goes to show also, too, a lot of people don't realize this when they when they look at college golf because it's not like football where you have almost unlimited scholarships. A lot of people who go to a D1 school, they're also on some sort of academic scholarship. A lot of times, if there's a debate between a couple of players, uh, they're going to go with the guy who has the better grades. A lot mm-hmm. of times, I mean, that's that could be a difference maker. For any kids that are listening out there, pay attention to the classroom. It's extremely important. And I just I think that whenever you add it all up, the hard work that these kids put in and just are able to, to get the work done is truly outstanding. And I just, once again, I just cannot give enough credit to Maury Rose and all the great work that he's doing. And I, I know that seeing all these kids is putting a smile on his face today. Right. And those are the girls' side. And I'll get to the boys' side right now. You had Alex Bloxham uh, from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, signed at Oklahoma City University. Uh, you had Jack Hope from Edmond, Oklahoma, who signed at the University of Central Missouri, who is D2, but they have a stack squad every year, it seems like, in the D2 ranks. I know that they carry, like, 
15 guys on their team, so that is a really competitive roster. If he's able to play at Central Missouri, that means he's playing really good golf in qualifying. I know, I just know that from you know going to college in Missouri. Uh, you had Jake Hopper from Norman, Oklahoma, who signs at the University of Oklahoma. Great get from Ryan Hibble right there. You had Cole Luber from UConn, Oklahoma. He's going to Cameron University down in Lawton. Uh, you had Sutton McMillan from uh, Choctaw, Oklahoma. Uh, he's going to Southwestern Oklahoma State University. You had William Sides from Tulsa, Oklahoma, who we've seen a lot of his name uh, in the past going to SMU. That's going to be uh, a really good uh, get. I can't remember a guy from Oklahoma going to SMU. That might be the first in a while uh, that I can remember. I can't Other think than, of anyone I mean, off the top of my head. Dragon Majors back in the day. <laughs> uh, well, D Mage, yeah. shout out. Uh, and then the headliner of this list I mean Benjamin Stoller uh, from Owasso Oklahoma who we had on the show great kid great guy to talk to going to K-State uh, obviously trying to follow in uh, Robert Streb's footsteps so uh, thoughts on the boys side Tito and I'll tell you what so I'm scrolling through here and a couple other guys I want to make because because we have the OJGT list there want to just go into a little bit of the state schools right. OU also got uh, Jay Summy and Matthew Troutman um, I know that let me see here one of them was ranked really high in the rankings yeah Jay Summy he's from Keller Texas he's ranked number 10 on junior golf scoreboard top 10 player in the yeah. country I mean that's saying something right and there. and he's going to OU correct OU yes and then uh, and OU also got a kid out of uh, Kentucky, Sam Matthew Troutman. He won the Justin Thomas Junior Championship this year. I mean, that's got to be a pretty darn big tournament. I mean, and so he's got an extensively good resume. And then going over to the OSU side, they got a kid from Illinois named John Wild. He's 96th in the Junior Golf Scoreboard, so a top 100 player for Allen Bratton and OSU. State School is racking him up 2022. And where is he from? Uh, Glen Ellen, Illinois. Okay. So stealing a good kid out of uh, Mike Small's neighborhood up there at Illinois. So that's a really big gift. Yeah, Mike Small's neighborhood up there. I mean, it is not great weather in the wintertime, but they have an unbelievable indoor facility. I went and visited it one time when there was an AJGA up there. I think the AJGA was in Springfield, Illinois, and we went to uh, Champaign, Illinois, where the University of Illinois is. And it's like a big dome. It almost looks like the uh, OU football like practice facility. The, you know, the indoor. Really, <laughs> and it has like yeah, it has. Uh, you can probably hit like fifty yard shots in there. It's pretty unbelievable. I mean, whenever we talk about how good the state schools are all the time, but Illinois is one of the top ten golf programs over the last twenty years. Yeah, and Mike Small is definitely you know one of those premier coaches. You know, he would be like the. It, you have like Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. Well, da not Dabo this year, but yeah. <laughs> you know you have Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley. Like Mike Small would be in the short list of college golf coaches you'd want to you know send your son to. Yeah, he won the uh, the PGA uh, championship. Yeah, probably the best. No. Probably the best playing college coach there is. I, I, it would be hard to go. Yeah, maybe that. not anymore, but you know he's still Coach Hibble might have something yeah, to say. Yeah, about Coach that. Hibble. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. As long as Coach Hibble, you know stays healthy yeah, right <laughs> there's no doubt about that <laughs> uh t-dub we we've teased it but we had a crazy crazy tournament on the lpga this week and uh and, and basically to set the scene you had lexi thompson who was you know pretty much cruising her way as she normally does uh in between uh friday saturday uh somewhat into sunday area and then the Will Zalatoris effect takes over. Uh, the putter gets a little shaky. Uh, Lexi Thompson starts missing putts. Then Nellie Corda looks like she might have it in her hands. She flubs a shot into the bunker. 
Then she hits it out of the bunker and three putts for, what was it, triple? And then you had, you know, Lydia Ko make a bomb on 18, and she thought she was making a putt for, like, tied for third, and she ends up getting into a playoff. And then you had, who, who was the other one? Or No, 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 no. It, it wasn't Lydia Ko that made the putt on 18. It was... Uh, uh, C. Young Kim. C. Young Kim that made the bomb on 18. And uh, and Lydia Ko sneaks into that playoff as well. Uh, and then uh, the cream rose to the top, and, uh, and Nelly Korda got the victory. <laughs> but... My goodness, what a pillow fight at the end of that tournament. I thought that, you know, nobody wanted to win it. Man, it was it was crazy. So what was it? Yeah, it was the 17. Nelly Court, she made a triple. She was basically just short of the bunker, inside bunker. Yeah. Flubbed it in the bunker, flubbed it out, hit it to two feet, and then uh, had a nice little I think lip she, out. I think the problem was she was watching Lexi Thompson putt all day. How about this? You go from you par 16, you're at 19 under. You make a nice triple on 17 <laughs> to go to 16. <laughs> then you clutch birdie on 18 to I get know. it to a playoff. I know. How crazy is that? And and the whole time, Lexi Thompson missed like, what was it, five putts inside five feet that could have won her the tournament in regulation? And not only did, like at least Nellie Corda's two-footer she missed was at least a 180 lip out. Lexi yeah. Thompson's weren't even hitting the hole. No, I mean, Lexi's, they weren't even coming close. And she was just shoving the face wide open at impact. I mean, it looked like she was scared to touch the ball. I mean, it did It did not look good for the claw brand, Sam. It did not look good for the claw brand, it, and that's why I set the scene, and I was going to say, Lexi, I mean, you know, if you need to change grips, you know, I'm not opposed to it because it's not making the claw brand look very good. Okay, so here's a question. And, and like I said, I know people get all riled up if we use the word choke, but legit question. Lexi Thompson, before... Is it considered a choke if she does it time and time again? Well, check this out. Through 70 holes of the tournament, she only made three bogeys. Yeah. Then she bogeys the last two holes. How, what else do you put that to? I don't know. But no, the she, holes are just hard? My goodness. Not only is she the best off the tee, she's really solid strokes gained approach as well. And it just seems like she should win all the time. She should be the Nelly Corda you know, number one player in the world, but she just can't seem to put under pressure. And it's, and I've seen it over and over and over again. And if I'm a Lexi Thompson fan, I'm sitting there saying, when is it going to get better? And I don't know that it is. Well, we saw it at the, uh, the women's U S open Olympic club where yeah. it wasn't, it was a lot of putting, but hers was also chipping. chipping yeah. And the thing about Lexi that you got is the see, hands get shaky, dude. And you can visibly see it from yeah. the camera. Like, very rarely do you watch a player coming down the stretch. Like, even if they are nervous, we all know they're nervous to some extent, but yeah. you don't visually see it. When Lexi Thompson hits a shot with, in the last few holes of the tournament, you see the difference. Especially a chipper puck. Well, the, the, the close shots, yeah. It's almost, almost like the full shots are almost so athletic that the nerves kind of don't take over as right, much. Right, right. But whenever you have to have a little bit of finesse, and as you know, there's a big difference and, between hitting a chip to four feet and I've talked about feet. it a lot. You know, I think the reason that sometimes, you know, I'm going to say the Y word, so cover your ears if you're listening, the yips, the yips come into play sometimes. I think the reason is, is because you can't make up that shot again. If you hit a bad drive, you can make it up with a great shot out of the trees. Or if you hit a bad, you know, shot into the green, you can make it up with a great chip or a great putt. If you miss a short one, you're not making it up on that hole. And I think that, that that's part of, you know, the reason why I see 
uh, you know, people like Lexi Thompson struggle when it gets under pressure because they know how much that putt means and they're unable to just stick to their process and treat it like any other shot. I mean, the old Craig Humphreys line that he used to tell me all the time, a 10-foot putt's a 10-foot putt. And to Lexi Thompson, a 5-foot putt is not a 5-foot putt. Uh, and at least she's not treating it like it No, coming, and, down, coming down the stretch. And the hard pill to swallow a lot of times is that a 300-yard drive counts the exact same as a 2-foot putt. <laughs> or a putt hanging on the lip, and you just have it in. It's still one stroke. So you look at it, and it's – because that's the thing about professional golf. Every stroke matters. Mm-hmm. Even Kokrak, who kind of – I wouldn't say – eased his way to victory, but he won by two pretty comfortably. Yeah. He won by two shots. Yeah. That's a putt every other day right. to make. I mean, that's the difference between having your career settle for two and a half years and yeah. and getting a big check and still trying that's to chase right. it. That's like the tweet that Max Homa sent out this week. Did you see it? He goes, my flight just got canceled, and I can't help but think about the nine putts that I missed this year that could, that could yeah. have gotten me a private jet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's such a great quote. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's it's such a fine line, and and right now, you know, if I had a putt to save my life, I'm not choosing Lexi <laughs> Thompson. That's for sure. There's probably right out here at Oak Tree Country Club. I know it's a Monday and they're closed. There's probably a hundred people I would go pick out there to hit a five. I don't know. I, no, 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 no. Not a hundred. No, maybe maybe fifteen. I don't know. I don't know though, because you don't. They didn't. Those people never putt under pressure. So that's you, a fair point. I mean, the only reason why I even know what it feels like is because I had the yips under pressure back when I was playing. That's why I don't play professional golf anymore. Because exactly like I said, if you hit it to four feet, then you miss it. It's just going to make you mad. I know. That's what happens every time. But I but I just see it time and time again. And somehow Nelly Gordon <laughs> wins the tournament. I don't, know, it, I don't know how she came out on top. I, that was one of the best triples I ever saw. It was one of the craziest golf tournaments I've seen this year. And, you know, I, I want to get back to because obviously I was exaggerating a little bit with the 100 people. But, like, when you look at it, right, like, Spieth isn't a very good putter from four feet. But it's like if you had a 20-footer, he'd probably be in your top five to make it. He's not going to be right. in your top five on but, a five-footer. But here's the difference between, like, a Spieth, you know, you say he's not that good, which he's he's average, right? But what I'm saying is under pressure, I don't see Spieth acting really timid, like, uh, Will Zalatoris or Lexi Thompson. It seems like where the yips come into play, they're scared to hit it. You know what I mean? I don't get that vibe from Spieth. I feel like he just misses. You know what I mean? And and he's made a bunch of clutch putts. He's made a bunch of clutch short putts in his career as well. I think that there's there's a fine line there. I wouldn't consider Spieth the yips. I would consider Lexi Thompson's the yips. Yeah, because, I, I mean, the big difference there is Spieth putts about the same on – from five feet on a Thursday afternoon than he does on, on Sunday. He may even putt better on Sunday right. from five feet right. than he does. But you, as you said, visibly from Lexi, it, it gets worse. In the, I don't the think Speed. Yeah, Speed's not scared of the pressure. I think the pressure is what's causing Lexi Thompson's bad putting. I, I really don't think that. And obviously, we saw with the chipping, too. I mean, it just. Right. And also, I want to put in here last year on the tour from inside five feet, Speed was 145th on tour. So, I mean, that's. Right. And, and you know, I, I think that. When you talk about guys that, you know, are solid putters, but they're not necessarily the best, you still don't see that many professional golfers with the yips like that under pressure. Oh, I mean, because, I mean, because there's no way rarely. you get out there to that. And, you know, I think... But, but the reason why Lexi Thompson, you see it all the time, is because she does put herself in contention on Sunday, and then it it doesn't necessarily go great unless she's hitting everything to 20 feet. 
and and just you know lagging it up there. Well, right, because then because <laughs> then if you're relying on your ball striking so much, then you miss a green. Well, what are you going to do then? You're just scared. Right down bogey and move on. You're pretty scared much. out of your mind. And you know this this is sort of a little little off topic, but we're getting on the speed thing. I think putting is not to the same extent, but it's kind of just like the overall game of golf, right? Like you'll have a good player and they may be a good driver, maybe a good iron player, but they're not good at the other things. Or you might have a guy who's a good chipper, whatever. I think that you have people who are really good short putters. You have people who are good mid-range putters and you have good lag putters. And someone may be good at all three aspects. Someone might not be good at any aspect. Right. But I think that some people can excel in one particular area and be average to even below average in some of the other ones. Yeah, if if I'm Lexi Thompson, I'm not going out and doing drills all day trying to work on my putting. I'm going out trying to find the biggest money game I can possibly find and put some pressure on my putting and get those feelings, you know, more often, not just in tournaments because it seems like she's just shocked every time. Yeah, and, you know, the classic way to do that for, like, uh, us regulars would be to go out and putt hit 103 footers and make them in a row. Then if you get to 99 and you quit, then you restart. I tell you what, when I do that, I get pretty nervous. Cause yeah. I, I mean, obviously I haven't gone to 110 years, but right. even if I go out to 25, I get to 23 and it's, I feel it a little bit, yeah. but I think Lexi's past that point. I think she, like you said, she needs to go, go find some PGA tour players to play with mm-hmm. and then just go play them for how much ever money that you want. Something that, like, if, if she goes on play for five bucks, it's not going to do anything. But go on. I mean, you got to put a little bit on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, or something. Just something to put pressure on her. You know, I, I don't think it's technical because she was putting great before the back nine on Sunday. Three bogeys through 70 holes. And, yeah. then, and then bogeys the last two. Then on 18, she hits it to five feet and doesn't even sniff it. Yeah, it's mental. But anyways, we got to move on. And, you know, the, the segment that people have loved the most on this show recently is our draft. And today, we are drafting Jason's uh, in honor of Jason Kokrak winning this past weekend. And so, T-Dub, what I will do, since we don't have the cards and we don't have Colby, I will just flip the coin. And today, the coin is this nice dip can. And so, this <laughs> is uh, heads and this is tails. So, the, the, the barcode is tails. The barcode is tails. All right. All right. I'm going. I always call, call it in there. No, you call it in there. I'm call it in there. Here. All right. Hits. Oh, oh what went is over it? the table. Went over the table. I don't know. Let me go look real fast. One second. Uh, it is tails. All right. It's tails. Also, funny story. I, I want to uh, see if you've ever heard of this. Okay. I was listening to the NFL game or one of the NFL games, and they said that the reason that they changed the overtime rule, because they used, used to call it when the coin was in the air. And now they call it before because I think it's like 99 or 95 or something like that. Jerome Bettis went heads, tails when the, when the coin was in the air. And it threw him off because yeah. he called it twice. No, well, he, did he call it twice or did he just say heads like really weird? I think he said heads, but the guy thought he said tails. And and then, and then they were, he was like, "All right, we'll uh, we'll defer." And he's like, "What are you talking about? You yeah. lost." Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, oh, we want to do it. I just thought, I thought that was interesting. I never so heard that before. Do you want to defer the first pick to me? It, you got the choice. You won. I, oh, I guessed heads. Oh, oh, you guessed heads. Yeah, I guess oh, I okay. always guess heads. Everyone guesses tails. <laughs> that and confused I me. The whole heads tails stuff confused me. All right, well, I will take with my first pick in the Jason draft. There's some good Jasons. I was kind of surprised. There's more than I thought. There, there's definitely some, maybe not super famous Jasons. There are some super famous Jasons, but, you know, there's some good, you know, athlete Jasons as well. Um, 
You know, I, I got to take... Uh, are we allowed to go fictional on oh, this? Oh, absolutely. All we right, can do give, anything. Me, give me Jason Bourne. Jason, oh, that's a good one. I didn't think about that. Are we doing three or five? We'll, we'll do three and then see how many we have left. So, like the OSU draft, we can just add on if yeah, we want. Yeah. might as well. All right, I'm going to go with Jason Sudorkis from okay. uh, Ted Lasso, what he's known for mainly. And then and the Hangover. And the Hangover. And then I'll go, uh, wait, no, he wasn't in the Hangover. What's the other dude's Bradley name? Bradley Cooper? Nope. Oh, the guy who played Andy? Yeah. Uh, I forget his name. We uh, got we got to figure this out because my mind was just blown. And then I'm going Jason Statham, the guy from who's in all the uh, fast mo- not he's in the most recent fast movies, but he's in all the shoot. What's Expendables? Ed, Expendables. Ed Helms. I mean, that doesn't sound anything like Jason Sudeikis. Boy, you got. <laughs> <laughs> they you, don't you, even you, really you, look you're alike. You're thinking of uh, Zach Galifianakis, the guy that was. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm thinking of this guy. I'm thinking of Ed Helms. <laughs> Which one? Which one was on uh, on the Office? Him, yeah. He played Andy. Ed Helms. Ed Helms, yeah, yeah. I did so not know that I was his name. I always thought that guy's name was Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's so wrong th- with me. I threw you off with my first pick, Sam. Gosh dang it! Well, I guarantee. I, I guess I didn't steal him from you. Am I? Am I allowed to choose Ed Helms? <laughs> <laughs> if his middle name's Jason. Uh, all right, then I will go uh, Jason Kidd. Okay. And then I will go. Um, Jason Bateman. Who's that? He's on Ozark. Oh, that's right. I didn't forget he was a Jason. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Oh, man. I kind of want to – I honestly want to go mythological, but people won't get it because um, I would pick Jason for the golden fleece of Greek's mythology, but I'm not going to do that. Give me – well, this is actually important. So are we going to do more after this? Three? Might as well. Okay. Give me Jason Momoa. Okay. Played Aquaman. Wow, you've chosen him twice now on the draft. He's a sexy guy. Really sexy. <laughs> then give me, oh, how do you pronounce the last name? Jason Voorhees? He's the Jason from the scary movies. Oh, okay. All right, Jason Jason. Jason Jason. Okay, he, he, has a a, he has the last name, apparently. Voorhees. I mean, V-O-O-R. So how many picks do you have? I got four. Okay, you got four. I'm going to go Jason Derulo. Okay. The pop singer mm-hmm. and the TikToker now. And then I get to my athletes. And I think the top Jason athlete is, give me white chocolate, Jason Williams. Okay. I like so that. We'll so we'll each go fu- one more. Give me, did you guess Jason, Jason Aldean? I did not. I'm going to take Jason Aldean. So that gives me five, Sam. Are we going six? You can go five. We'll All right, go so, five. So that's my fifth, Jason what, Aldean. What was his song back in the day? It was like Chicken Fried? No, that was Zach Brown Band. Nope. You're thinking of a Big Green Tractor. Big Green Tractor, that's right. The non-sexual song bit, that it was. You can tell that I'm a big uh, country music fan. Yeah, we're, we're getting everything mixed up today. I know, I'm, I'm out of it. I've worked this morning, I'm working now, work after this, so uh, it's been a long day. So, my last pick, I think I gotta go with, uh, should I go baseball or basketball? T.W., call it, and I'll pick them. You already got two basketball, don't you? I do. You might as well go baseball. Alright, then give me Jason Giambi. Oh, that's a good one. And then my other one, you know, honorable mention, Jason Terry. The Not bad. I thought about doing Jason Witten, but then I remembered how bad he was on Monday Night Football, <laughs> and I, I, ha- I had to throw him out automatically because of that. Has there been a worse announcer than Jason Witten? <laughs> Booger McFarlane. <laughs> Boy, that's true. And they were on the same broadcast. I, know, I, know. I was like, I didn't watch football for two years on Monday. I was like, what's going on? Now Gus, I remember. Gus Johnson. 
Oh, I love Gus. You love Gus? Oh yeah. I don't what? I don't I don't love him when Baylor's beating us by 13 points, but other than that, he's pretty good. Oh man. I mean, he I, he seems like a nice guy, but I just hate it when, you know, first quarter and he runs for 10 yards. What if Gus Johnson called golf? <laughs> it would sound like the first time Joe Buck ever tried to call the U.S. Open. Do you Dude, that was that? that was yeah. We talk about bad announcing. And Speed misses it. Yeah, <laughs> Dustin Johnson is your U.S. Open champion. He's like, he's like, oh, uh, Jordan Spieth made like when Spieth made that long putt for birdie on sixteen, and Jordan Spieth makes a birdie putt here on the sixteenth hole of the tournament. <laughs> like it's the biggest putt of the tournament. What are you talking about? Get excited. <laughs> Oh, I can just imagine Gus Johnson calling the Bermuda Championship, strength of field 68. <laughs> just yeah. getting hyped when someone That's, makes a okay. tip footer. Okay, we got to make this a thing. Uh, we got to have all our Twitter followers tweet this and, and try to make this a thing. We need Gus Johnson to somehow, you know, just get out of the contract for one weekend and do the Bermuda Championship. Because that's the thing. And make it, it exciting. It can't be like the memorial or a major. No. It has to be something. It can't be anything that's exciting. It needs to be like the Sony Open. Yeah. Or like or a, 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 the tournament before a major is a good example. <laughs> you could have done the Houston Open. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually had a decent strength of field. Yeah. Comparatively. Man. To, to 68 a few weeks ago. Gus Johnson calling golf. Who's the best golf announcer? Jim Nance? Of all time or right now? You can do either or. Well, Jim Nance, to me. Are you talking about color? I mean. Yeah, yeah. I would Because, like, Faraday and McCord are obviously yeah, out there. That, but as and far Bones, as, but, but Bones ain't there anymore. As far as announcer, I mean, all-time announcers, I mean, Jim Nance is number one to me. You got to put, you know, he's not a golf announcer, but Al Michaels. Yeah. Is, you know, I like him a lot. Uh, golf announcer, I mean, you know, Terry Gannon's pretty good. I like him. And I think it's interesting that he's really good at calling golf yeah. when he played college basketball. I think that's pretty cool. Scott Van Pelt's pretty good. Scott Van Pelt's great, but he never really did he call golf? You know what he's I He's called some of the masters. Yeah, some. I know that he was on, on the golf I know he's on the golf channel, but like I didn't know if he, you know, called yeah, he, I hear him a couple times when it's Masters play by Week. Because since they have Thursday and Friday now is on ESPN. Right. You know who I, I forget his name. He actually passed away not too long ago. He was the guy on the European tour forever. Oh, oh I Peter love, Alice. Peter Alice, yes. Oh man, I love oh, Peter what Alice. A useful shot. I love that. It's like classic. It's like the exact opposite Sitting of Gus Johnson. Here at at uh, Royal St. George's. Yeah, it's like like you feel like you're watching golf in the sixties. Which the, I know you don't think existed, some, but they'll pan to some random, you know, European fan with, you know, knee-high white socks and white legs and white face. Looks like they haven't been outside in like 10 years. With the kilt. And he's like, oh, look at him licking that lollipop. Rest in peace, Having Peter a Alice. great day. He was a legend, dude. Yeah. I mean, I, he's got to be in the top five, I would think. But he's I can't, great. I mean, who, who else are we missing? Are we missing anyone? Golf announcers? Golf, I mean, Johnny Miller. <laughs> but he's well, how, did you, how did you feel about Johnny? A lot of people are hit or I, miss I, on I have gone across the board with Johnny Miller. I understand why players don't like him. But I, I'm kind of in the boat now, now that we have Azinger and now that we have Dottie Pepper and now that we have, I mean, Dottie Pepper's not in the booth, but um, who else do we have in the booth right now? Uh, who's with? Faldo's pretty good. Faldo's but, decent. I, I, I like Faldo. You know, now that we have Azinger, it, it makes me miss Johnny Miller just a little bit. Because it, it, it was like, before Johnny was kind of like on the fringe, right? It was like, I can do with him, I can do without him. And now that you see Azinger, you're like, man, I've, the product was a lot better before. Yeah. 
It, but I think that sometimes Johnny Miller just went against the grain to go against the oh, grain. Oh, that, that, that 100%. Yeah, but I think that Zinger does the same thing, but it he doesn't portray it in the right way. But he, Or he doesn't have the, you know – strict personality that Johnny Miller had. Here's so the way, it comes off weird. Here's the way that I would phrase both of them. Johnny was the type of guy who wouldn't give someone much credit, but he would say, that's the worst shot of they've ever hit in their career. Like, he would right. say that a lot of times. That's was, why players didn't like him. And Azinger, it doesn't matter what the shot is. He'll be like, this is the biggest shot of his career coming up. And it's like he did that one time with Molinari when he won the Bay Hill, and he won the Open Championship the year before. And it's like, oh, yeah, the Bay Hill's more important than Open Championship. I know Azinger would thank that. But, you know, just random stuff like that, you know? Azinger at the Honda. I, that's, that's where he shines. Wait, no, no, no. It's not the Honda anymore. It's the concessions. Is that where it's at? No, no, no. No, I'm saying that his big tournament, because he was a member, or he still is a member at the concessions, right? Oh, yeah. And, and he was like, man, if they're shooting, and what did – you know, more Kawa go like twenty under. He's like, yeah, oh that, that guy, course in Florida that they yeah, played the uh, uh, where they're supposed to play Mexico at. Yeah, I think you might have been gone that week or something, but maybe. But I just remember talking to one of y'all. I think it was Colby, and he. And I was talking about you know, or Zinger was talking about more Kawa, and he was like, man, I can't believe that you know a guy like that could be twenty under under par. I'm like sitting there like the course isn't that hard, <laughs> like. It's like, it doesn't matter what course you play. You hit fairways and you hit greens. <laughs> These you know. guys are going to go low wherever. And it's in in Florida. And it was the, I remember that tournament. It blew a little bit, but it wasn't like 30 miles an hour. Right, right. And that's what, make, that's what makes all the difference anymore. Right. So. He was acting like it was U.S. Open conditions out there. And they were saying that the course was tough, but it, a lot of times it depends on setup, too. And they just didn't set it up as hard as they could have. Yep, exactly. Did we miss anything, T-Dub? I'm sure we did. But uh, do you remember the Jasons you drafted? Because I put mine in, but I don't have yours. Usually Colby okay, handles yep. this. Uh, to recap, I had Jason Bourne, Jason Kidd, Jason Derulo, Jason Bateman, and Jason Giambi. That's pretty good. A lot of those I didn't even think about they were good picks. I got Jason Aldean, Jason Voorhees. We're not sure to pronounce that. That's the guy with the mask. Jason Momoa, Aquaman, Jason Statham, and Jason Sidorkis, who apparently was in The Hangover. And I forgot White Chocolate, Jason Williams. I think I, I made six picks, and you only made five. Huh. You want me to draft another? You got one more. Oh man, okay. Well then, uh, give me. <laughs> I had the first pick. Let, let me see. Uh, let me see. How do you do it? I'll just go with the guy that I wanted to. The Golden Fleece, Jason. Anyone who don't know the story? It's pretty good. He's what is this? He. It's basically Greek mythology. There's this Golden Fleece that's a. It, it's essentially the Holy Grail okay. of Greece mythology, and they were called the the Argonauts, and they basically went out and tried to find this Golden Fleece, and they found it. And what is a I'll, Golden Fleece? Like a jacket? It's like a. Here, let me put it. in. It's kind of like a shoulder thing. Let me okay. see here. Let me pull it up. It's kind of cool. Golden fleece. <laughs> golden fleece, huh? Yeah, it's uh, – let me see. Yeah, this is uh, pretty good. Look, just look up golden fleece if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a blanket thing. It'd probably be, I guess, closer to Ark of the Covenant. So what did it do? Uh, gave it, him, it was just a valuable – Special powers? Yeah, it's, it's the fleece of a, a gold-haired winged ram. So that's pretty cool. Have you ever seen a winged ram? It is the story of Jason and his group of Argonauts. They set out on the quest ordered by King Peleus to get the fleece so that Jason can rightfully claim the throne of uh, Ilocus in Thessaly. Thessaly's uh, okay. in uh, Greece. So, All right. Well, yep. You know what we should do? You know what we should do? Since you and since you and Colby have the thirty seconds of Yellowstone, I should do thirty seconds of just random history. Random history or Greek mythology? Mythology. Yeah, I kind of like the thing. Mythology and history. I kind of like the Greek mythology. Oh, I got a bunch on that. We could do that. Let's we'll start doing that. Okay. So today 
your homework, listeners, is to go Google the Golden Fleece. Golden Fleece. Check it out. And that's the thing, too. There's different phases of Greece. It's sort of like Old Testament, New Testament. So, just yeah, just go learn about it. It's really cool. All right. The Golden Fleece episode of the 73rd Hole. This has been Sam Humphreys and the Golden Fleece master himself, Taylor Williams. Have a great day, everybody. Go visit golfoklahoma.org.